Welcome to the North American Ag Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. Today is a special episode. We've been working on something for about a year and a half now, and finally we are ready to launch. It's a new monthly podcast called What Color Is Your Tractor? I hope you like it. Enjoy. Over the years, I've had the incredible opportunity to meet and spend time with the people of the agriculture industry who work hard to manufacture the equipment that farmers depend on. Back when I was in Aggie school and college, I was fascinated by the brand loyalty that I saw surrounding me. The green, red, blue, orange shirts, logos, belt buckles, songs, and heated exchanges between farm kids made me realize that there's a deep history behind those colors that have helped farmers put food on our tables for almost the last century and a half. In spending time on the road during my career, traveling across North America, I've gotten to know the stories of these remarkable companies and have broken bread with many of the people behind the brands. I want to share these stories with you. Welcome to What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories of the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Stories behind the ag brands we love and the ag brands we love to hate. What color is your tractor? With Chrissy Wozniak. I'm Chrissy Wozniak, and welcome to What Color Is Your Tractor? My guest today is from Marysville, Kansas. He's the recipient of countless awards in the manufacturing world, and his name is synonymous with quality and innovation. I'd like to welcome Don Landall. Thank you so much for joining me today, Don. Thank you. So I visited Marysville, Kansas in 2015, and I was lucky enough um, to have you take me on a tour of the factory. And it was a factory tour that I will never forget. I was in awe of the innovation and the incredible orchestration that was evident from the moment I stepped inside. Can you start by telling me how Landall was actually born? Well, that's uh, that goes back to, to my childhood days. Uh, I always uh, give my parents credit. I graduated from Tinker Toys to an erector set at the age of seven, and uh, I've never stopped building since that time. So uh, I went on into uh, high school. I wanted to weld, got started welding in the high school FFA program. I actually built a farm trailer in uh, the FFA program in high school. It won me some awards. uh, Is that the one that's still outside the building too? Is it and that trailer? Still, yeah, we still have the trailer. Yeah, I've right. got it back. You know, I yeah. fortunately couldn't, I, I fortunately sell it at one time, but I got it back it's from the neighbors. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so that was, that was kind of beginning. Then uh, I went to the, uh, enlisted in the Air Force the week I got out of school and uh, I failed my military physical, but uh, at that time there wasn't trade school. So that was my idea. Of, uh, of further education was going to do it through the uh, Air Force. So then uh, after I was back home in a week where I got to go to work for uh, our local implement, international harvester dealer, and they built playground equipment. And uh, they were diversified there. Of course, we were diversified on the farm. So diversification is is, is in my life daily still today. So uh, from there, why I... Uh, Obviously, I, I felt I worked hard for them. And uh, at the age of 20, why a partner, another gentleman working there, we had a uh, chance to buy the welding shop here in Marysville. So uh, he asked me to be his partner. So uh, we, we agreed to a partnership and uh, 
We bought the business the day that President Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, wow. So we came down and, and you know, with one hired man, why we started a welding radiator and blacksmith shop, so our diversification. And then, you know, my first uh, contract work was I started building uh, uh, for anhydrous ammonia tool bars and liquid feeders. So I got a, you know, slow taste. And after two and a half years, he had the opportunity to go back to the railroads. So he sold me his remaining half, wow. uh, financed the, the, the remaining half for me. And uh, so I was able to be on my own in uh, 1969, 60, yeah, no, 67, I guess, 67. So from there on, why uh, we, Started out, uh, you know, slowly. I had a desire that I wanted to be a sole ownership. I, did, I didn't want partnerships. I mean, I wanted to make decisions and go forward. And that allowed me to do that. So uh, being on my own, but that also controls your growth uh, financially. So anyway, we got off started in 68. Uh, I turned the anhydrous ammonia toolbar into a chisel plow and and that was a fall tool. So then I needed something to build in the spring. So that's where I came up with the uh, the traveling axle trailer, uh, which was a, a major thing in our lifetime. Uh, as a working for the international harvester dealer, I come close to having a, a wreck on some snowy roads. And uh, my I like my little sayings of one man's problems, another another's opportunity. So. I think that's my definition of entrepreneurship. So I got the uh, traveling axle started and uh, uh, and the farm shows uh, just before your time at MNW used to have a farm show back, uh, very similar to uh, Farm Progress, Mm -hmm. except they had a tractor pull for their uh, rather than field demonstration. So, but anyway, uh, I sold my first uh, three trailers at that show to them to MNW farm equipment. So that was, I got my start with farm equipment there. So then as we go forward, we we jump up to like 1980. That's when farming was very tough. Uh, And uh, so uh, there was farmers were going broke readily at that time. So I had to find things that we could do. So I had, had a gentleman call me from, from the East Coast, and he said, hey, you know, that trailer will haul buses with a few modifications. So that's where I got into the towing and recovery business, uh, answering and taking advantage of uh, his questions and opportunity. And uh, that towing has went on. It, you know, towing and recovery was much of, was much a uh, family business as farming or, you know, dealerships. Those days were all, you know, single dealerships and that. So, uh, but that allowed them to have a, a second source of income to, to, for a trailer in their line of work. And that went on to where I ended up getting into their to- towing hall of fame with, with the, that tra- trailer. And we build many of them yet today. Wow. So, so that's, uh, so then we get into, you know, then, then they said, well, we can haul sea land containers when the sea land containers become you know, a number of, of those were needed to be placed for storage you know, on the farm and, and dealerships and wherever. And then, then they, so then they came to the rental industry and uh, the rental industry uh, had a need for, for hauling equipment. So it, just one thing led to another on, on that side. Right. So, yeah. You know, you're just always open to opportunity, right? And that, and right. that's what's kind of steered you through these decades. Uh, my, my theory is generate 
recognize and take advantage of your opportunities. Right. So that, that's kind of how I evaluate each project. That's incredible. So what uh, what was your very first product that you manufactured? Well, the first project that we put our name on was a mm-hmm. farm stock rack that slid into the back of a farm pickup. And uh, that gave me something that I could get my hands around. Right. And uh, that was my first uh, thing I put my name on. And followed that was with liquid supplement feeders. Liquid supplement feeders with molasses-based supplement. And uh, we did very well. Uh, the major feed companies at that time, they, they had the product, but they, they had a way, didn't have a way to distribute it. Uh, they, they knew of the tanks, but that started building tanks. And so the, all the feed stores up and down the highway well, ended up being customers because in order to sell their feed, they had to have a product to put it in. So, right. and so I was a direct selling to the, the, dealer, the farm equipment people, or excuse me, the farm elevators in that then. So, so that was, that was kind of my real early product. Yeah. And, and you now have uh, over the years branched out into several different industries as well. Do you want to talk about that diversification and why that was important for you? Well, as we said uh, in the early eighties, when farming was so tough, I had a gentleman call me on the, from uh, FMC corporation in the, that was in uh, 1980. And, and uh, he said that, you know, Silicon Valley was booming and they, they were located in California. He's a Midwestern boy. He was calling on PWA out here in Kansas City and he said, I just had to find looking for somebody that could help me build these trailers. He says, so I drove across the street, driving through a farm equipment lot. And he said, I seen your, your yellow paint at that time. And he said, I got out and I looked at the quality of your wells and I said, there's somebody that most likely needs some work since he's in the farm equipment business. So uh, my right hand man and I went to California and we started out with the, uh, the palletized uh, trailers that you see around the airports mm-hmm. uh, running around underneath the airplanes. And then, then we got, uh, they went on strike. And uh, so they uh, uh, had the icers that they built that they had 10 of them that were partially put together. So he said, you know, I've got enough uh, faith in you guys that you can put those together for me. So that was in, in, in 1981 or two. And then, uh, so we built them for a couple of years for them. And then in 84, uh, uh, why the military come along and wanted to buy uh, 391 aircraft, the ICERs, you know, and that was wow. unbelievable. Uh, that uh, so we won that contract. That was a forty-three point eight million dollar winning, uh, and we t- took that on to over a fourteen-year period. We built two thousand uh, deicers for the military. So that was definitely put us in the military business. Uh, we won a national award for a contractor of the year in nineteen eighty-six for building deicers for the uh, Air Force. We came up with uh, then Bendy came along, and uh, you know. It was a, a gentleman in England had to patent on the Bendy, but he had a, a great patent and a poor design product. And uh, so I got in touch with him. He invited me over to uh, England. Um, we uh, uh, looked at the product. I told him what my thoughts was. Uh, so for the American market, he allowed me to redesign it to my what I wanted to do. Uh, he liked my products so well why he started uh, importing them back to England from Kansas. 
and uh, he became a, a major uh, a customer in the uh, worldwide. You know, ten years into it, uh, twenty oh three, why uh, Drexel came up for sale, the company in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, they built specialized uh, forklifts for the military. So uh, with that, why uh, we ended up uh, after a long period of time, they came out to buy us, and we ended up buying them. And uh, so, but uh, Drexel's number one customer was the military, so that fit very well right. uh, into our background, knowing how to handle the military through uh, aircraft deicers. So, um, yeah, I was—I've been lucky uh, that I've been able to see the Bendy in action. Can you describe for everyone what what it does? Well, the, the Bendy is is a narrow aisle fork truck, so we can, but uh, in about uh, five and a half foot aisles. Uh, we can put 42 by 48 inch pallets away very easily. And then the, uh, the Drexel, they're very narrow aisle. So they can uh, drop down to about 54 inch aisles and put a 42 by 48 inch pallet away. So, so that's mm-hmm. instead of a factory or, or a warehouse building additional space where, where they don't have room to build additional space, they can narrow up their aisles up to 20 to 30% additional product in by using our lift trucks and and we we are selling them to you know cases IH has got our forklifts John Deere's got our forklifts Ford Motor Company's got our forklifts so we, we do very well in, in some of the people that we compete with in the farm equipment Echo's got our forklifts so we do quite well in in that industry. Yeah that's so, that's really really neat. And that's what like I said at the beginning is that is you walk into your factory and you can tell the innovation is probably the the priority. How do you decide what to make? You know, what, do you have a process where you look at something and you decide, um, do you have to go through steps or is it just, do you get a, a hunch? What What is it? Well, number one in diversification, uh, whether we can handle that product. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, you know, do we have time allowed that we can put that product into our, our line uh, I've tried to draw the line on the four product lines. Uh, which one of those what might meet up with? Like Drexel, of course, met up with uh, with Bendy very well. Uh, we bought Brilliant, and Brilliant, of course, sets up on the farm equipment side very well. And we bought Brilliant in 2010. So that's all. It's uh, just one to the other. But uh, there's many opportunities out there. Uh, it, it seems it's a, uh, but a lot of them are, are the volume isn't there. Some of the volume's big. Some some of the volume is adequate. So you just got to weigh them one at a time. Right. You told me. I remember during the tour you gave us that um, you had a, a steel storage issue years ago, and it's a really cool story of how you overcame that. We, that's time to time. You certainly have those things. Mm-hmm. But the, the the greatest thing I like about my steel story is is a, a gentleman. Uh, it. Uh, Jack had steel and pipe supply. He started that company, but he was a uh, very much interested in helping people get started. So he gave me open credit the first day I was in business, and uh, and we've had it ever since. So if you had tough times, he'd learn you how to negotiate, be faith, uh, you know, be faithful, uh, give you additional time to pay for things. And uh, so that uh, relationships, uh, I'm very big on building uh, relationships. Uh, I feel build a strong foundation so you can get through those ups and downs. Yeah. And you ended up being able to store the steel right on site, right? 
Sure. Yes. Yeah. And we, we today we contract buying six month periods to get away from some of the ups and downs, you know, in the marketplace. Right. So we, we know our costs, which is very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've from from what I could see, you've single handedly turned Marysville into an entirely self-sufficient community. Did you set out to do this or was this a byproduct of good business and taking care of people? Well, you know, in the in the 60s and 70s, industry to the to the farm areas was, was a real shining star. I mean, people, every, every little community was looking for industry and they still are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, but first of all, uh, you know, the railroad employed over 200 people here. We're a railroad town. So we had our basis of railroaders. And then they brought a, a factory in that built envelopes, tension envelopes. But I, I only be, I did a lot of work with them on their day to day basis. But they also got industrial revenue bonds, you know. So so that's a uh, financially inexpensive way to build buildings or finance buildings. So then I, my desire was to build a big building like they did with some help of industrial revenue bonds. Uh, so then to, from that we worked into uh, Valley Vet here, which is a very big mail order supply house here. They got about 140 uh, people just selling veterinary supplies and and uh, farm and ranch supplies across America. So uh, so they're a, they're a good relationship to to deal with. And and we have Georgia Pacific here that mine sheetrock. So we have a diversification of uh, industries here for for a town of 3,200. So we rely on about a 50 mile radius, um, you know, for sure. 35 down, we're heavily relied on if our people come to work every day. So, so right. that's, uh, you know, in, in housing and, you know, there's just a lot of challenges in trying to grow uh, in a relatively small community. Right. That's it. And, and I know uh, just from stories I've heard that if you see a need in that, in the community that you can fill and you can build infrastructure, then you, you do it like you right. know, the airport libraries, things, uh, the hospital, right? Yeah. We've, uh, yeah, we just, uh, we've been in very much involved in those and we just, uh, we coming up our second, we completed a, about a eight, $8 million church here that wow. we were, I was chairman of and, you know, we built in the community and, build it traditional. So we, we've gotten a lot of publicity out of, our, out of our church, you know, no matter what the religion it just people enjoy seeing things from the past. Uh, we designed our own clock and the bell tower and it was all built in our factory and in our little bit of extra time and, and uh, assembled. So we're proud to have a background of all those. Yeah. And it's evident that your faith has definitely been a big part of your life too, right? Right. Yeah. We grew up and, you know, going to parochial schools and all. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, learn, learn the basics. Uh, math is always my strong, you know, only subject I had is, was strong in, but uh, I love, you know, I could, I could do math, still could do math quite well. And, and uh, so we kind of went on from there. And now we, we currently uh, are in the process of, of a major expansion in an all new vocational ag building. Oh, wow. And I'm building that a joint to the, uh, to the high school. So I want people going into vocational ag or FFA uh, or welding. I want them to feel it's, it's, it's just as high or higher. It is all the rest of the subjects in the school. So they're no longer walking across the football field to a tin shed to, to go to vocational ag. It's, it's part of the whole school system. So. Wow. That's incredible. 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's needed these days, right? A lot of youth don't realize that ag is even that there, it could be a future in ag and, you know, walking through your factories, you know, that there are so many opportunities. And, uh, you know, in the day of, of ladies being involved in vocational ag, of course, yeah. my school days of vocational ag, they didn't even consider going, joining ag or going to I ag. Bet. I mean, the girls went to home ec, but, but today uh, both our teachers are, are ladies and, uh, and that's just very common in today's world. Uh, uh, our president of the FFA is a lady, you know, I mean, you know, multiple ladies on the board or on their officer's slate. So, yeah, it's uh, times have changed and right. we attempt to uh, change with them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, I also remember walking through the shop and seeing posters on the equipment with facts and stats about the machines. So why did you decide to do that? And what's the reason behind it? I thought it was it was really interesting to be able to read those facts and those stats, and and so it really intrigued me. Well, number one, I've I've uh, you know in my early days, of course, I bought a lot of used equipment because that's all I could justify or afford. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of my great challenges, you know, I grew up on the, on the labor inside, and uh, so I, I truly appreciate the people out in the shop doing the work, and uh, so I wanted to get them the best equipment available. And then by putting the prices on the equipment, they know what that piece of equipment is worth. And uh, so they understand the, the value of it. And then we're a profit sharing company, you know, uh, been in business over 57 years and we've only had two layoffs in 57 years. Wow. Uh, and uh, so the, the profit sharing, uh, which they are a major part of, uh, you know, last year we, we paid a 12 points, three, uh, percent bonus on their w-2 form you know so for profit sharing it's paid out once a year so we're very uh uh proud of that uh, you know we got a 15-year average with over 11 percent uh so we've only had uh, one or two years and 26 eight years of profit sharing that we didn't wasn't able to give the uh, profit back to the employees so we want everyone to feel a part of the company and, and they are a major part of the company. Right. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. And, and uh, of the family and the employees of Landall that I've met over the years, uh, I find that there's one constant. They're genuine, strong, and they are proud of the Landall name. How did you do that? How did you surround yourself with such incredible people who are so proud of what you stand for? Well, I, I like to use a little saying, ordinary people doing extraordinary things is a, is a feeling I got in, in, and we take great pride in that. Uh, our materials manager started out on a fork truck, you know, uh, our, one of our top three trailer salesmen started out in, you know, in the uh, office uh, verifying uh, excise tax forms, you know, and uh, we can just uh, name them over and over uh, the people that, have grown up within the company. So uh, we got a lot of long-term relationships. And of course, that's part of the uh, profit sharing where you, you know, at the annual basis, uh, that's based on your wages. Uh, we do, we pay a Christmas bonus uh, based on your uh, seniority. So, so yeah. we, we don't want to, I want to take care of the people who built the foundation as well, you know, right. so with the foundation they built, some of these newer people got a, you know, a place to come and work and be successful. Right. Is there anyone that stands out over the years as one of the most memorable employees? That's a 
that's an interesting question. And there's there obviously a lot of interesting people. But mm-hmm. uh, Tom Joyce, uh, he went to work for me in 1975. He was my second male. Uh, there was only two. One lady and I were the only two in the office at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom came with a background from Kenworth Peterbilt Trucks in Kansas City. Uh, born and raised in downtown Kansas City and wanted to get his family out of the downtown Kansas City. Uh, so he came out with a lot of uh, expertise uh, as far as costing, purchasing, bank banking background. Uh, you know, he was our, he's the one that got us into, you know, online or overline banks, you know, local banks couldn't handle, you know, couldn't handle our credit line. So mm-hmm. he got us lined up with Kansas city banks that we could uh, work with, you know, for our credit and that. So uh, Tom stayed with us for 25 years. Wow. Uh, he was 10 years older than I, but uh, at the end of the 25 years, he retired a little bit young and did a little consulting after he retired, but uh, oh, he, uh, he born and raised in Kansas city. You know, he had a, uh, a tough bringing up, but, uh, you know, and coming out here in the Midwest, why, you know, you had to go around behind him and smooth things out once in a while. But, uh, <laughs> but, he, but he didn't, you know, he knew the rights and wrongs. You know, he just uh, wasn't always a very, didn't have the patience to put it across as smoothly as, as need be with some of these rural kids. Wow. And so you've, you've accomplished more in your life than 10 normal people. Um, looking back on all that, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you, you and your name when they think of you? Well, that, that's, I feel I'm genuine. I'm still a country boy that grew up on a poor farm, you know, in a sense, uh, my folks had less than a half sex in the land raised eight children on, Wow. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up milking cows and, and, uh, so it was, uh, and we weren't great A, so that was cold mornings were pretty tough going, but, uh, but that being the oldest son, why well, that was that was part of it. So I think just trying to be a genuine role and, and help those that uh, we can along the way. Right. Yeah. That that's incredible. Um. So I have uh, uh, one more question for you. What color is your tractor, and what do you think about brand loyalty in agriculture? Well, that's a. Uh, as I said. You know, earlier I'm loyal to a lot of brands, but but the Ford tractor, uh, the 8N Ford, uh, you know, it's hard to believe today, but dad put, you know, and, and the neighbors did as well. I started farming at seven years old. I go out and plow by myself, wow. you know, which is just unheard of, you know, yeah. in, in later years, These days. You know, <laughs> in current times, but of course, equipment has changed so much and so much bigger and all that. But uh, so, so the old Ford tractor, uh, and then uh, later on in life, uh, I, I did uh, build farm equipment for Ford uh, out of Detroit there so for a number of years. It, you know, and then, like I said, I, international is the only people I work for. So I, I certainly am not anti-international. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then Case, I spent 14 years building for Case. And uh, so uh, we built four product lines, was building four product lines of uh, when the Case IH uh, merger came along, so obviously uh, with their Hamilton plant, they didn't need us. Mm-hmm. So then uh, uh, we built for John Deere Dubuque Works, their industrial sites. We built actually dozers for their, their 450 crawlers and uh, wow. roll, roll over protection ROP stuff. So I've had the privilege of, of meeting you know, the head of, uh, of uh, John Deere and, and uh, you know, some major 
people, uh, AGCO, met there, you know, worked with their president, you know. Uh, so when when AGCO closed the uh, new idea plant in uh, in Salina, Ohio, why uh, they they moved uh, after some considerable negotiation, we moved a hundred truckload of uh, parts out here that they had, and we made the missing parts to to ship to their AGCO dealers wow. so out of uh, Marysville, Kansas here, and then. When they got bought Sunflower, why well, they did away with that line? So they they actually give us what was left, and and, and uh, uh, as far as the product lines, we could build any of them we wanted and paint them our colors. So so I've had a great relationship with most all the majors, and of course John Deere is a a major uh, customer uh, base for us. So their dealers are. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, thank you to everybody who's listening. If you want to learn more, they can go to landall.com, right? That's great. That's good. And the, the links will be provided in the in the show notes as well. Thanks okay. so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to What Color Is Your Tractor? I hope you learned something new about the brand you love or hate. If you're a manufacturer who would like to apply to be featured on this show, please visit whatcolorisyourtractor.com slash contact and fill out the form. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach, and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m., to register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.